You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center broadcasting live from Santa Monica, the very heart of Silicon Beach. And um, please be seated. Um, today is the 100th anniversary of the, the centennial, if you would, of the hottest day on record. Um, it was 134 in Death Valley 100 years ago, and um, it is a nice and cool 121 expected today. So um, wherever you are, I hope um, you are comfortable, and um, we, we have a great show for you. We, we're going to talk... Um, we're going to talk about the uh, – we're at the midpoint of the year, so this is a good point to talk about you know, where where are we and I mean, what are the big stories. And and as usual, um, we're going to do our Heroes and Zeros um, discussion, and we have with us our, our usual um, um, conspirators for that. We have Dan Tynan and Brendan Christensen back once again, and they're going to guide us through this maze. And then um, we have on, this, on the, the last part of the show, we're going to talk about uh, another Kickstarter um, campaign. And, but this one's interesting because it involves a movie that's already been completed, and they're actually seeking um, funding through Kickstarter just for the distribution costs. And so this is a, a, you know, an indie movie, but one that has major stars, um, is completed, um, and is ready to roll. Um, so and we're going to talk about you know, how, well, how, why you would go to Kickstarter and a little bit about the movie um, in, the, in the last part of the show. And so um, it's, it's great to be back. And um, I was in New England for a, a brief holiday, and it's always beautiful to go there. And we celebrated uh, the 50th wedding anniversary of my aunt and uncle, um, Frank and Lucy Kelly. Cheers to them. But um, do we have um, Dan and Brenda? Good morning. Hey, Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you for joining. Um, and it's great to have you. Brenda um, is the Director of Communication with Cantata. And Dan, um, as, um, as people know, he's a writer 
um, with a number of the publications, including um, Computer World and um, Info Information World. And um, so great for you guys to join us once again. So um, we're at that six-month point of the year and, you know, the time for reflection or maybe not, but <laughs> – <laughs> let let let's talk about what do you, what what has impressed you so far this year as some of the the top stories. Well, for me, um, there is only one top story, and you probably covered him to death, Edward Snowden. I, mean, I know I've covered him to death. <laughs> we we have covered it. Yes, we had a we had a whole show where we talked about you know um, his background and you know to what extent was he um, you know a hero or a zero and. Uh, yeah, well, our guest actually said if you just look at um, the timing of everything and how things played out, you know, he 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 wasn't going to say it outright, but um, he more or less you know connected the dots with an arrow pointing at you know his view that he thought you know um, Snowden could have been a Chinese operative, but you know I'm not making I'm not making that accusation. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm just I'm just leaving the the floating innuendo. <laughs> I love it. I love it when innuendo floats into the room. Um, now, my in my book, Snowden is a hero. He is a flawed hero, like all good heroes are. Otherwise, it's a boring story. But uh, and he's a hero because he succeeded where a lot of other whistleblowers failed. And we've had a few of them now come out, like Thomas Drake and William Binney and a handful of others, all of whom were former NSA employees of long standing, all of whom warned about exactly the same things that Snowden warned about and got ignored. Snowden has not been ignored, and that, for me, is why he's a hero. Um, Brenda? He was on the top of my list as well. Um, you know, and I agree, flawed. You know, he broke the law, but, you know, we're rebels, and laws are meant to be broken, especially for the greater public good. Um, he's revealed what people need to know. We're a democracy and we're a republic, and, um, you know, citizens need to know that uh, people are rifling through their emails. And, uh, you know, I think Dan and I probably, you know, people who cover security and cybersecurity, we already kind of knew this was happening. But um, we really, I, I personally didn't know to that extent. And uh, it's interesting because exactly a year ago, I did a cybersecurity simulation at the Economist Big Idea, uh, Big Economy um, presentation in mm-hmm. San Francisco. And one of my lines that was scripted was, well, we can't just go trampling on people's civil liberties and start rifling through their Facebook pages and come to find out that's exactly what was going on. Well, um, you know, my view on Snowden, and I, I've actually put it to put together a blog that says um, he's not a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and, and, which 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 would somewhat telegraph my, uh, my view, but um, I I think there's two Snowdens, and, and and I think a lot of people making him a hero um, only embrace the the one and ignore the other. So yes, I, I think um, I think he deserves credit for for bringing to light Prism, and mm-hmm. which although may so far be entirely legal. 
And so to that extent, he's somewhat different than Ellsberg or other whistleblowers. He's just blowing the whistle on something that's legal that he doesn't think should be legal, or he actually thought was illegal, but actually may have been, may actually be legal. And so it's worth having that debate about prism. You know, should this be, you know, should this be permitted? And especially since when we hear, you know, it's hard for other people on the intelligence committee to really communicate with us on this because they, it's classified. But all we're hearing is this may be the tip of the iceberg. And so if that's the case, you know, let's have that debate. Let's bring that out. Let's find out what, what is going on. And, you know, because I wrote in Huffington Post, I mean, we, we should have that debate because that's what free societies do. And um, so I, I, I agree with you to the extent that, you know, what he did there was, um, was, was beneficial. Where, where I disagree, though, is that he did more than that. Um, you know, he went to China. He gave and he, he has admitted and the Chinese government has cited him as a source. Um, he you know, basically unloaded information to them about how we are engaged in monitoring and, and espionage in China. Um, very much undercutting you know, our operations there in, in a very strategic way. And he also did it, and the timing of it was just as um, we were about to beat up on China at a summit on cybersecurity. And you know, we all know what, what a problem China is in this space. And he gave China a big gift. He gave them a pass by muddying the waters. And... Um, and so in that respect, and in fact, he still continues to leak information about our operations vis-a-vis the EU and other countries. You know, I think he's gone far beyond that. And he actually is right now in, in, engaged in illegal espionage and, um, you know, under the Espionage Act. And, um, you know, I, I think he should be wearing an orange jumpsuit, not a, um, you know, not a hero uh, uniform. Well, it's really interesting. I just saw a survey and on the public, and the public are, are almost split right down the middle, whether he's a hero or a zero. And, you know, there's the WikiLeaks, um, you know, dialogue that says that these things need to happen for an informed democracy. And there's, you know, administration's dialogue and that, you know, he's broken the law and he's treasonous. So it's interesting what public reaction is, too. And a lot of times he's things come down as you know I, I always look at them from a PR perspective from a propaganda war so it'll be interesting for me to see who wins well the, uh, uh, I think ahead, we outnumber we outnumber Ben at two to one so we win I think in this case. <laughs> <laughs> woohoo democracy but I would say that um, just to follow on this we don't have to spend the whole time talking about Snowden but um, I think what Snowden revealed was absolutely no secret to the Chinese government. I think what he revealed was no secret to any terrorist who has two brain cells to rub together. The <laughs> only thing, uh, the only people who kept in the dark were us. Yep. So I well, don't I think mean, he compromised national security in any way. No, he just not, made life uncomfortable for those people. But when he told you know how we are monitoring the cell phone communications and things of that nature, I mean he gave he gave specific detailed operational information that you know will have ramifications going forward and um and at the same time you know gave china a, a, a hammer to hit us with at a, at a time when we were coming full barrel for them if a 29 year old high school dropout working for a government contractor for three months can't get this information china has it that's right 
That's an interesting point. I mean, and that that begs the question. I mean, we talked about this on, on a prior show. Um, you know, what is up with that? I mean, in terms of you know the zero. I mean, whoever is the person who engineered this this great system, where you know any twenty year old who somehow isn't dissatisfied can just drop the dime on us um, is troubling. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it's pretty common, I think. Uh, and this falls more into the security and IT world that Brendan and I live spend most of our time in, which is the notion that even companies like Booz Allen Hamilton, which makes $6 billion off U.S. taxpayers every year, are kind of inept when it comes to managing this sort of thing and, and lack the very, very basic things like having multiple authorities for access to information. They allow their, their system admins at this. There's no way Snowden should have had access to any of that information. Right. Correct. Yeah. I did that cybersecurity simulation with a Booz Allen guy, and um, <laughs> he was on his way to Dubai uh, after <laughs> after the simulation. So, you know, I, I just think that, you know, that this brings up another debate about security and the government and IT. It's like, you know, how much do you contract out and how much do you keep internal? And Dan brings up a great point about how much money we spend uh, paying these guys and you know their Swiss cheese. Yeah, and um, it is. I mean, it's just astounding that you know, as you said. I mean, you know, it's it's almost as if you know, Dilbert. You know, we we laugh at <laughs> Dilbert, and it, you know, it does exist a little bit in the, in the private sector, but it, Dilbert is is actually exalted now in the, in the public sector. It sounds like what you're saying. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, uh, heroes, um, you know, one of mine was was the child in Egypt, Ali Ahmed, you know, who's talked about the problems in Egypt. And he pretty much summed it up in three minutes. I say put him on a diplomatic council, send him to the U.N. Um, What a great kid, you know. Yeah. I mean, and that went viral. I mean, um, you're very president of him as well. Um, But. And it's interesting because, you know, two years ago, you know, we were talking about the role of the Internet in bringing change in um, in Egypt. And, and then here we are, you know, two years later, and um, it seems that we're just kind of stalled um, on this very point. And um, but I guess, you know, but that's governments fail. Um, you know, Reb, someone made a point of. Reminding me that you know, and one thing about the American Revolution is that most of its found, most of the, the leaders of it never thought that this would last to you know thirty years, let alone you know two hundred and some, and uh, and so you know that this is a growing phase for Egypt, and um, the transition to democracy isn't easy. Dan, you have any other heroes? I have lots of heroes, but I think you want to take a break, don't you? I think so. I'm not getting the, that that message expressly, but I think um, since you're seeing it, I am not. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, so why don't we take a break after, and we'll, be, we'll go to uh, further on this topic after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report on Webmaster Radio FM. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. 
Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Hey there, gang. This is Jeff Ferguson of Fang Digital Marketing and recent anointee of the top 25 most influential paid search marketers. This week, we're talking to the world-famous John Loomer of johnloomer.com. We're going to talk about Facebook ads. We're going to make fun of Facebook. We're going to get some uh, drinks in us and just have a fantastic time. Digital Marketing Matters, presented by Fang Digital. Next episode airs Wednesday, July 10th. Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. You're listening to Cyberlong Business Report, and we have Brenda Christensen and Dan Tynan again for another segment of Heroes and Zeros. And uh, we had a very spirit discussion about um, about Mr. Snowden. And I, I would just add one last coda on that, and then we'll, we'll try to talk about other people who may be heroes or zeros. The one thing I think about Snowden, I think, is to the extent that we we focus on him being a martyr. Um, we're distracting the issue um, from what needs to be done is actually have hearings and, and, and really explore and you know, have a public debate on this issue. But if you make it about Snowden and his treatment, um, then I, I think that um, takes away from the action of item of, you know, why isn't anyone calling for hearings? You know, why aren't there hearings being held? So um, I, I would just add that last on Snowden, but um, so who else is on your list of naughty and nice? Well, um, I have a kind of a longish list, but one of the naughty ones I have is Sean Parker. And why is that? <laughs> uh, did you follow the story about his Lord of the Rings themed five million dollar fantasy wedding in an old growth forest in uh, Big Sur? No, I did not. <laughs> How did you miss it? <laughs> I you know I must have been in um in Rhode Island. <laughs> oh, probably far away. Um, well, Parker is of course one of the founding members of Napster, 
back in the right. day, and he was early on Facebook. He was portrayed by Justin Timberlake in The Social Network, who is, by the way, much better looking than Sean Parker is. Um, and he comes off as kind of, well, I don't know if I can say this word in your program, a douche? I think um, you can, yeah. Douchebaggery okay, is something that we have discussed. He was actually called a douche canoe recently, which is a really good insult. <laughs> a so, douche canoe, wow. He, I remember uh, that one. He decided to get married. He wanted to get married in an old-growth forest. He picked uh, one near Ventana in Big Sur. Uh, and then he spent $5 million building, uh, rebuilding a fantasy forest from the Lord of the Rings in the middle of an actual forest, which got him a little bit of bad publicity, uh, actually quite a lot of bad publicity. Uh, and he did it without obtaining any permits. He did it without even contacting the environmental agencies that are look over the old growth forests. Uh, and when they came to him, he just says, well, hey, sorry. <laughs> Here's a couple million dollars. Two and a half to be for your trouble. Yeah. Now, y'all, yeah. now yeah. Y'all, know, y'all need to know I'm Facebook friends with him. And the back, everyone, Brenda. (laughs) I know, but the backstory on this, which makes it even more ironic, is I remember about a year ago he was plugging his dad's book, and his dad is some kind of oceanic environmentalist guy who wrote a book about the oceans. So this makes this even more absurd. Was the book about how he wanted to actually have a wedding in the middle of the ocean? (laughs) That would have been better, right? That would that would definitely would have fit. Yeah. and, no, and then, I think, well, actually, just to finish, and then after all of this, and he got some really nasty publicity and, you know, got stomped on all over. And then he writes a 10,000 word essay <laughs> complaining about the bad publicity he got and publishes it on TechCrunch. Which, of course, yeah, saw that. Is, is, is a, we all know, is a kick me sign. You know, when you, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if you belabor the point that much. Um, yeah. So, and, boy, he's hence your phrase douchebag. Well, you know, he should have had he should have had it out in the middle of the ocean in a douche canoe, right? Perfect. perfect that would have been a perfect. perfect wedding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I guess, I you know, I just, I don't hear like a, a Motown song singing about love in a douche canoe. But I, don't <laughs> totally I think Captain and Tennille actually. <laughs> oh now, what about you, Brenda? Who else is on your list? Um, you know, obviously the NSA is a zero. <laughs> but you know, I think we belabored that with uh, Snowden. But the other, the other zero for me, you know, having a twenty-five year career in technology, and I know all this stuff is is just packed into everything and everywhere we go. You know, how is it possible that a Boeing pilot of a seven 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 clipped the tail on a seawall coming into SFO? You know, with all the technology on board, it's just it's absurd. Well, so to a- me. Go ahead. The Boeing pilot is a zero. Um, yeah. there's, a re- there's a report that um, the pilots are saying that the speed controls didn't work. Uh, yeah, right. That's in today's paper. That's the ticket. <laughs> On the other hand, the people who designed that plane are a hero because only two people died. In that. That, yeah. that is remarkable. It was amazing. Um, you look at the photographs. It's like, oh, my God. You know, It's almost like they're all on Lost. Yes. Yeah. They survived this ridiculous plane crash, and now they're they're dead and don't know it. But yeah, yeah. and you know, and uh, Cheryl Sandberg changed her flight at the last minute. She was supposed to be on that flight, and she's so, also a Facebook friend of yours. Um. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think she's a douche canoe, though. Right? No, definitely. But not. but you know she. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I just think that there's again more irony that this you know technology laden latest you know 
marvel of air travel, you know, clipped its tail, you know, in Silicon Valley, right? It, it, um, it is, an, you know, of all places for it to happen. Right. Well, yeah, that's where it shouldn't have happened. You know, and, coming uh, from a family of pilots, you know, 89 knots is not even an approach you would take in an ultralight. You know, so for them to not even know that they weren't traveling at a fast enough speed of, at approach is, is just kind of, it's, well, I said it before, it's absurd. Now, did any of you see the Robert Samuelson piece from about a week or two ago that where he wrote in the Washington Post that if he could, he would, uh, um, he would repeal the Internet? As if the uh, internet was an act of Congress, <laughs> and oh my God, and oh he went God. on this 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 total um you know um ivory tower rant about how you know the benefits of the internet are grossly overstated, and oh my God, there's a cybersecurity threat, so we must we must abolish it. Um, I, I just I found it appalling that someone you know who writes for the Washington Post you know could reach that conclusion. But then I thought about it, and you know he's he's of a certain age, and all the everything that he's all the privileges of to him from going to Harvard and working at the Post have nothing to do with the internet, and so he can't see the benefit of it all because you know the, the thing that what what the internet does is it gives a voice to all the people who are very much unlike him who aren't right. privileged. And um, so he has no clue of what it does. He's he's the old guy in the rocker who was shaking his cane and saying, get off my lawn. Yeah. He is, yes. Um, Nothing well, will ever come of those men and their internet. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like Ted Stevens who thinks it's, you know, it's not a bunch of trucks but a bunch of pipes. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I'm reading actually this. I remember reading this and just laughing at some of the things he thinks are connected to the internet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> railroads aren't really connected to the internet. You can't crash a train by crashing the website. No, but the, the, the concern is that you can hack into the smart uh, smart grid. And, and you really – you might be able to if you're brilliant, but really the power grid is not really attached to the internet. Well, you know, people can tap phones, so we should have gotten rid of, rid of the phone system in the 1940s, right? I mean I right. don't know. The, the same logic applies. I mean yeah. two people um, are killed every hour from automobiles. And um, across the planet, and you know, and he he hails that as a breakthrough technology, but the you know the internet, which allows you to communicate with people all over the globe, um, and not use Asiana flights, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he he just discount. Actually, I wrote a response. I don't know if you saw it, but you know, I I referred to the article as his most controversial piece since calling for the return of the um, Pony Express. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's really what, but in essence what it comes down to. What about um of course have you guys must have seen the um Dunkin' Donuts lady, the um the racist rant by Taylor Chapman. There's so many racist rants lately I can't keep track of them. Yeah, I, I don't this know. Was about a that woman was... in Florida and she um walked in with her smartphone. Um, her, her iPhone, which clearly wasn't a smartphone, because <laughs> you know, um, operator error there. Um, and she starts by saying, "You know, I just want you to know you're under surveillance." And um, and she she berates these Dunkin' Donuts workers for um, failing to give her um, a receipt the night before, and then 
since the, she didn't get a receipt, she didn't get her free whatever it is, you know, the whatever the Dunkin' Donuts name for a Slurpee is. And she says, you know, I've talked to my lawyer about this. And and goes on to just berate them and then it was stupid enough to actually show her face in the video, sometimes turning the camera on herself, and calls the, the, the Middle Eastern workers um, calls them, you know, the the, um, the sand n word, and um, and just goes off and then says, you know, I'm going to drop the bomb on you. I'm going to put this on Facebook, and then she does, and it just blows up in her face. Um, Dunkin' Donuts ends up um, responding to calls um, from you know the public that they actually you know, praise their workers for the restraint they showed, and. Um, and um, you know, there was actually uh, through Kickstarter or Indiegogo, I believe. You know, they raised twelve thousand dollars for the workers who are putting up with that stuff. And um, and the, and so she becomes, you know, an internet, um, you know, one of the internet's most hated person of the week. Um, has to totally take down all her social media entries. Loses her job as a spokesman for some, um, you know, small um, Happy service. Walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and um and the and also apparently she's in law school. She says, oh I'm, "I'm getting a JD in law, as opposed to all the other JDs in fashion and um, <laughs> and, um, and, and then you know beauty supply." But um, and so is she just completely it ruined her life in in a eight minute rant. Oh, I don't know if she ruined her life. I think people are going to forget about her tomorrow. Yeah. You think so, or you know, yeah. There's too many of them. Well, she'd be, <laughs> they get replaced quickly. But you know, she wouldn't have like maybe looked to New York leaders like you have Wiener and Spitzer running for office as exactly. as her as her patron saints redemption. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, or Bark Sanford in South Carolina, right? You know, run yes. off to Argentina either mistress, you know, have to quit the governorship and come back. You know, what is the period of time? I mean they're probably you could probably chart it if you were like smart work to Google, there is probably some sort of graph that says, okay, you've there now is. waited nine months and two days. You can start again. I think I think it is true. I think if there is a cooling off period that's getting shorter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so what is it? And I think you know in, in Sanford's case, I think it helped <laughs> you know the, the, the girl was hot and and, and, and there was <laughs> And, and it is South Carolina. Together. Yeah, and she's Argentinian, and so you know, South Carolina oh. just didn't know how to handle that one. But um, <laughs> so, um, what else? I mean, so we we've actually just finished um, the term. Um, he's, Ju- Ar- he's not Orange Julius, but FCC Chairman Julius Janikowski is um, is now um, in, in private sector after a very controversial tenure um, at the FCC. But I, I I would put him down as a hero. I think he's he did a great job while there. Um, broadband uh, deployment is expanded for the fourth year in a row, and you know he got the net neutrality regs you know through which you know whether or not they'll survive a court challenge. I mean he you know he was a lightning rod, but he got the job done. On the other hand, uh, we are I have been watching closely the quote "do not track" unquote debate. Yes. Uh, uh, for some time, it actually fills my inbox every single day, uh, and it's been two years, and nothing's going to happen. Well, that's F- that's um, FTC that's involved in. That, oh, sorry. Oh, for Janikowski, it was the FCC, but yeah. No, that's oh, I'm thinking the- of Jules Polonetsky. Yes. 
Yeah, and, and, and actually, Jules, Jules is very influential and and has been on the show a couple of times. Um, but you know, Jules actually is is very much in the private sector. <laughs> but um, you know, but Jules actually has been very um, you know, very forward in privacy, and particularly when he was um at the at AOL, you know, he kind of was very innovative in their approach. But um, yeah, so the FCC moves on, but we do have um. We do have you know, a new chairperson at the FTC with Edith Ramirez, but you also have um, Julie um, Brill, who's a very staunch privacy advocate, who is a commissioner, who used the Snowden um, fiasco to make a push not only for Do Not Track, but she launched a campaign for Reclaim Your Name. Right and um, and so was that going too far and and trying to seize the, you know with Snowden and as a, a you know, kind of a you know a privacy revolt? Well, I don't think these days you can go too far because uh, we don't we're not going anywhere with this. We're going backwards with privacy. Uh, so the notion of an FTC counselor actually pushing us further is really good because someone's got to. Now, what do you think of the? You know, there's a lot of debate about um, what's happening in Mozilla, and uh, and that their push to make, um, you know, do not track a default setting as opposed to a choice setting. Um, you know, more or less, you know, we're giving you a couple of years to choose whether you want you not you want to eat your peas. You haven't chosen to eat your peas, so therefore, you know, we're going to make sure you eat your peas. Well, it's more like you want to make sure no one else is eating your peas and selling your peas to other people and, and using your peas against you at some point in ways you have no idea are happening. So, uh, you know, if it were real, if they were real consumer choice with this, when you logged onto a website or launched your browser or upgraded your browser, you'd get a little window saying, hey, do you want people to track you? And you can say yes or no. But the online advertising industry has dead set absolutely refused to allow that to happen. They say if that happens, we will not participate. Well, what they said is if you make it a default setting, um, then – If you make – do not track a default setting, they will not participate. If you give users a choice at the beginning, they will not participate. Well, my understanding of what they're saying is um, you, know, right, you, you are altering you know, the current structure of the, of the internet economy – and if you so, if you're going to make that a default without telling them that you're doing that, um, you know that's just as bad as the opposite. Um, well, you, that's, you're making, that's what they're saying, and basically what they're saying is, if you make it a default, we will ignore that setting in your browser and track you anyway. Hmm. That's basically what they've said. But they have also said, we don't want this to be a choice for consumers. They have said very explicitly, we don't want consumers to be at, be asked. We want them to proactively go in and dig through their settings and figure it out on their own because we know ninety-five percent of them won't. But you know, they've, and that's unfair. I mean, they've you know, and actually, President Obama you know credited the uh, was the Digital Advertising Alliance for um, you know working with them on their privacy initiative, and they, they've created icons for consumers to respond. I mean, they've done a lot oh, yeah. in the last couple oh, of yeah. years. On oh that. yeah, I've written too many times. I've written more about that than I've written about Snowden. Um, <clears throat> But this is the case. If you go through, and believe me, you don't want to go through the voluminous correspondence going on right now between the various parties trying to hammer this out. Oh, the WC3? Yes. You will see that 
among amongst the digital advertising alliances rules is the, the fact that they don't want people to be presented with a choice in the interface. They want the default to be track, and that's the only position they are willing to accept. So instead of douche canoes, they are douche titanics. Douche luxury liners, at least. Douche luxury. <laughs> yeah. So let's put them in the zero category then. That sounds like it. <laughs> uh, I, I can't say I agree. I mean, you know, basically, you're altering the economic structure of the internet. Um, and you know, without the economic, but the economic structure of the internet has morphed and evolved over time. When we started with the internet, it was, "Hey, we just want your eyeballs," and now we want your browsing history. Um, and that happened invisibly in the background without anyone asking any of us if that was okay. Yeah. Fail. So they have altered the economics of the internet, not us. But I mean, your eyeballs is your browsing history. Well, my eyeballs right now are looking at um, PC Mag, and so I'm looking at an ad for I don't know what a few different things here. But my eyeballs are here. They I don't want PC Mag or their advertisers to know where my eyeballs just were and where they're going, and that's the problem with tracking. The reason that advertisers want tracking is because they make twice as much money delivering targeted ads as they do delivering non-targeted ads. But consumers prefer targeted ads to non-targeted ads. Consumers should have a choice whether they get targeted ads or not targeted ads. And should choice should be obvious and explicit and not hidden, buried three levels deep in a menu. So how would you – what would you structure it? Pretty simple pop-up. You know, oh, you just upgraded your browser. You know, you're now running Firefox – 27. Um, do you want you know? Do you want these websites to follow you around? And here's a little link explaining what that means. Or would you rather not? And here's a link explaining what that means. And then yeah, you choose Fire- it, and then you're done. But Firefox isn't giving them that option. No, because they're just going to go with a default of do not track. But you asked what I would do. That's what I would do. Um. So um, we're going to take a short break. Um, but we come back. Um, we will be um, going to wrap up this panel. And we're going to bring on um, our Kickstarter guest um, to talk about her movie, um, New York Heartbeat, a New York Heartbeat, um, after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. In-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. 
Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Hold on to your white hat or black hat. WebmasterRadio.fm is ready to take you behind the backlinks. We're digging and scraping past the surface of everyday news and views of search engine marketing and dropping our proverbial anchor text on the important issues affecting the industry with our panel of search engine insiders. Behind the Backlinks. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. On demand, anytime, inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. Um, We're running short on time, so I want to thank our our two um, experts and um, always engaging guests on the heroes and zeros of the Internet, Brenda Christensen and Dan Tynan. Guys, do you have any um, final thoughts before... um, saying sayonara well i would say i'm really disappointed we did get a chance to talk about um john mcafee uh and glass holes <laughs> because they were on my list <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to continue this brenda any final words yeah um i just want to talk about one of my heroes is you know talking about douche canoes in the valley um there are a lot of other tech centers around the nation and around the world and i'm in one of them right now we call it Silicon Desert in Phoenix, and there are a lot of hot startups here, pardon the pun, and one of your advertisers is here too, Infusionsoft, and as well as Silicon Beach. Um, so I, I just want to give them a plug and give a plug to Grow Conference, which is going to be held in Vancouver in August. You can look them up on the web, and they actually promote and support all of these technology communities that are outside of Silicon Valley. So, you know, no more douches. And, and Vancouver is a beautiful city, so that would be a great um, information. So definitely share, give me the link, and we'll, we'll, we'll share it with the audience. And uh, But thanks again, guys. It's always a pleasure. Same here. Um, do we have Laura with us? We do. Hi, Laura. Thank you for Hi. joining us. We have Laura Davis, and Laura Davis is a, a, an accomplished movie producer who's done over a dozen films. And um, she is calling to us from Pittsburgh where um, – she has filmed her, her latest movie. You can actually you would film a movie called A New York Heartbeat in Pittsburgh because I guess you were able to find um, kind of a, a 1950s era feel for what Brooklyn was like I, in Pittsburgh. 
Yes, I know. It does take a certain amount of nerve to call a movie a New York heartbeat and then shoot it in Pittsburgh. I should <laughs> tell you that our quest actually did begin in New York. The movie actually takes place in Brooklyn in 1959. And the director, Chartis Gradanis, writer-director, um, who also happens to be my husband, I guess I should say, in the interest of full disclosure, um, set out to make the film in New York, actually. And he spent a fair amount of time in various corners of Brooklyn and Red Hook and Williamsburg and Greenpoint. And what I wasn't with him on these scouting trips, but what he reported was that it didn't look anything like the photographs that he had studied um, for months before he, he went there. He looked at films and stills by Helen Levitt and Ouija, I mean, and everything in between and was disappointed to see that modern Brooklyn is mostly covered with modern graffiti, and it just doesn't look the way Brooklyn looks in his imagination. So he came to Pittsburgh, which is my hometown, and he was somewhat familiar with the city, Bennett, because we would come back here from time to time. And he started photographing not the shiny new Pittsburgh that you see in the Pittsburgh Visitors uh, Bureau, very great-looking video of the city, but the, I won't call it the underbelly, but just sort of the forgotten neighborhoods. Uh, the city is half the size as when I grew up here, population-wise. And if you dig a little, you can get to that sort of rusted, gritty, just that, that mid-century. Uh, Pittsburgh's not, not retro. It just hasn't changed that much, I mean, except sort of on the surface. So he found that, it sounds like I'm putting down Pittsburgh, which I don't mean to, but he found that beautiful, gritty texture that he was looking for in this city, and minus all the, the graffiti. And then as we really got into it, um, there were many other reasons to shoot here. And um, so tell us a bit briefly about the plot and, um, and, and where you are in production. Yeah, well, first of all, I, I'm terrible at pitching, so <laughs> I know I don't have to pitch you, but I'll try to tell the plot as best I can. Um, the story is set, it's a crime thriller um, and a romance, and it was certainly influenced. We hope it's an homage to um, um, more films that I can name that we watched growing up. Um, most of them seem to star Robert Mitchum, by the way, or uh, Richard Widmark. And actually, uh, amazingly, uh, Robert Mitchum's daughter is one of our Kickstarter backers. But anyway, just influenced by those films, um, Chartis came up with a story. It's just, you know, from his imagination about a 17-year-old gang leader named Spider. And Spider is kind of a, he's a JD to use a you know a term from from that time. He's kind of a wannabe. He's not a great kid, but he's not you know the worst kind of criminal either. But he's kind of getting into some things he shouldn't be getting into. And one of his acts of petty thievery is, is really what kicks the story into, uh, into motion. He steals uh, a pile of cash from a person who turns out to be a notorious mobster. I mean, somebody he shouldn't be messing with. And he's on the run now. He's taken in by a young woman. Um, her name is Tamara, and in the film she's played by Rachel Brosnahan, whom some of your listeners will know from House of Cards. And she helps Spider hide. And, uh, you know, a romance ensues, but a very chaste romance. It's tentative. Um, and uh, it becomes their story, too. I would say the romance is really at the heart of it. 
But along the way, there is plenty of action, which is almost unheard of in a picture of this size. And, um, and uh, uh, well, I mean, I'll leave it at that. I think uh, that's that, so, a good pitch, but it should give you an idea of what the movie's about. And um, so you, the film now is is trying to raise money, um, what, what $54,000 from Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and, and that's for um, your distribution costs because the film's completed, yeah. right? Yeah, it's actually not distribution costs. I'll tell you what it is. The film is completed. Um, we have a movie that we're proud of, and in fact, we're going to be opening it in a couple of days at the Regent Square Theater here in Pittsburgh. That just seemed only fitting. Uh, given all the help we got from the city, that we should open it here. And we do have a sales agent. Um, she's based in New York, and she's sending out screeners and showing it to people, potential buyers right now. But the days that, you know, the, the days of Harvey Weinstein ponying up $6 million for your film at Sundance are over. So even if you have a good sales agent, and we do, um, you're not going to – there just aren't these huge advances anymore. In some cases, there are no advances. And even so, you have to – there are certain things once you have the picture that, that you still have to do before you can get it to a distributor, before they'll even accept it. And it's – our Kickstarter campaign is for $50,000, although in truth our delivery costs are more, but we were – we wanted to make the goal fairly modest, but it's for everything from promoting the film, of course, um, to very concrete things like creating a digital cinema package, which has taken the place of, of film. So it's uh, what you use to screen uh, from now. And, you know, arrows and omissions insurance. I'm sure you're familiar with that. <laughs> um, a music and effects track, because in a lot of foreign countries, they will show it in English, but in other countries, they won't. So you have to give them an emony, as they call it, and they put, you know, they replace the English dialogue. Um, uh, all sorts of things like that. Oh, and licensing the music worldwide, because we have some uh, score, but we also have oldies, and, and you have to pay for that, of course, and, and pay for it so that it can be used all over the world. So basically, it's, it's kind of um, priming it um, so it's ready for distribution. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's actually, thank you. That's, I'm going to use that. That's a much better way of putting it. <laughs> now, um, you, you, your cast, you mentioned um, the, the lead actress, you know, who is in um, House of Cards, but you, you have the villain, one of the, the villains is, um, is Eric Roberts, right? That's right. And right. He's, a, he's a great villain, by the way. It's it's kind of ironic that you know his his sister plays America's sweetheart, but he plays right. he's consistently played a very in very convincingly a villain. Yeah, no, he's a wonderful actor. I mean, he's an Oscar nominated actor. Uh, I think in, I don't know about Emmy. He's uh, Golden Globes. I mean, he's got tons and tons of awards. And and our on our set, by the way, he uh, you know he is known as. Uh, Julia Roberts is known as Eric Roberts' sister, not the other way around. Um, <laughs> we were very lucky to get him, and that came uh, about as a result of, of our wonderful casting director, uh, Kathy Henderson-Martin is her name. I mean, Kathy was uh, amazing. We found our cast all over the country, not just in L.A., not just in New York, not just in Pittsburgh. But she is friendly with Eric, and I think has known him for a long time. And she sent him the script because, frankly, we never would have gotten it to him through his agency, which was CAA at the time, because there was no money. I mean, you know, there was no money for anyone. And um, 
And uh, she got it to him, and he read it, and it required him to be here in Pittsburgh only for a week. And he did it, I think, you know, partly out of friendship for her, but also um, he really fell for the script. Um, he really, uh, uh, I think, was intrigued by the idea of doing this sort of 1950s parlance. And, and frankly, that was one of the things I was worried about, Benedict. Jordis did a lot of research into the slang of the time, just to make mm. sure that the language sounded correct. And, and then after putting in a lot of it, he scaled it back. You start with too much, and then you kind of peel it away from there. But I was a little bit worried about our cast's uh, ability to say some of these phrases that are, sound bizarre now. Um, and I, I needn't have worried. They tell me that was the easy part, actually. But, uh, but when I talked with Eric, he said that was one of the things that intrigued him, was, was the language, um, that Chartis got it right and didn't overdo it, and didn't uh, sort of accidentally slip into an acronym language either. Um, we only have about two minutes left, but oh, one thing, yeah. if you people go to the Kickstarter site, um, the, you, you're offering some really fascinating benefits. You know, for, and from the, on the high end, there's actually uh, producer credits, but there's also um, there's you know, seminars on how to, you know, on indie filmmaking, and there was one um, package I saw where you can actually learn how to how an action shot is filmed, and um, so um, we, in a minute, you know, what 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 is some? Can you tell us about the the, the benefits or? Um, yeah. yeah, the rewards as they call them on Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I call them bennies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we have everything there from what I'll say is sort of the usual reward for five bucks a thank you on our Facebook page. But we tried to make that more meaningful even than a thank you, although, in fact, the thank you is quite sincere. Um, it also is an opportunity to include a link on our Facebook page, and we have an awful lot of likes and expect to have even more followers by the time we're done here in Pittsburgh and the next week in, in Stony Brook, Long Island. We will include a link to your pet project or cause, as long as it's not like a porn site or something. So we wanted to sort of say thank you and, and look at what this person is doing, which I think is in the spirit of crowdfunding. Um, on the high end, and we just got our first high-end uh, backer last night, is an executive producing credit. Um, and it was from somebody that really wants to get into the movie business because it's more than just buying a credit. He's part of the team now. Um, and in between, we have all sorts of things, DVDs, posters, or as your listeners will uh, see if they go on our Kickstarter page, a chance to Skype with Eric Roberts. He will give you what is, in essence, a master class in acting through Skype, via Skype. You can have lunch with Eric if you happen to live in L.A. Um, you can talk with Chartis and find out how he made a film that everyone we've showed it to thinks we spent millions and we spent so much less than a million. I'm not allowed to tell you how little, but every single nickel and penny and dime we, you know, that we collected is on the screen there, and um, and we'll share that with our with our backers. Well, thank you very much. And so the name of the film is a New York Heartbeat. It is on Facebook. What's the website for it? Yeah, it's uh, a New York Heartbeat Movie dot com, and it's on and Kickstarter I'm under a New York Heartbeat. Yeah, and, and um, on Facebook in New York Heartbeat, easy. So check it out. Um, these these guys are very talented, um, a very talented team and accomplished team. And um, hopefully um, this will get funded. And uh, we look forward to, to good luck with your opening and look forward to hearing a, a great buzz about this movie. 
Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on the show, Bennett. I appreciate it. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. And good best of luck to you. And um, I'm afraid we're out of time. But I want to thank everyone, uh, all our guests today. And we had a very spirited conversation. And um, we used the word douche at, at a very high level. But... <laughs> it's been a great show and I want to thank everyone and we'll be back now next week talking about the latest in internet law and policy on this station here in the heart of Silicon Beach this is Cyber Law and Business Report we'll see you next week thank you This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.